The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomapete on SAFM. Good evening, Ms. Sidach. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome to SAFM yet again. Thank you for having me on your show again. Yeah, it's great. So now we are talking about ESCOM and the implications it has had in society, particularly the stability of South African homes, and more particular and pointed is how it has had an impact at an individual level. I mean, it goes without saying the the, the, the consequence of load shedding is not just the absence of electricity, but so many other things in the state's administration are are triggered. And at that level, it becomes so many things at a socioeconomic level that are triggered. As a lawyer, I'm minded to think of just this point. The civil liability of the consequence of ESCOM load shedding, be it at individual or industrial level. But more than that, there is something a lot more benign, but just as impactful in the stability of the nation and the people of her respective communities. How ESCOM has had such an impact in South African homes and the levels of depression that we are seeing as a consequence of the consequences of load shedding. Do you want to just spend a bit of time educating us on what the experience at SADAC has been in relation to what I have said? So we've been picking up a lot of calls where people calling and speaking about how load shedding impacted them and their anxiety. Hi, are you there? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Sorry, sorry, I thought I lost you. No, I'm here. And, and through through our calls and um, people that are reaching out to us, we, we sort of came to this point where we thought, look, intuitively we know low shedding has huge impact on everything that you do on a day-to-day basis. But we don't know the specifics on how it actually impacts on you. So we looked at it and said, let's do a survey to find out what exactly happens to people living with mental health conditions and general people, uh, public people that haven't been diagnosed with mental health and see how the implications are towards mental health so that we can then think of ways um, and to, to help, better help people but also tailor make something where we can put together coping skills and strategies just to help people cope with what they're going through during this time. Now, I understand that there is a project led by the University of Johannesburg in the Faculty of Humanities where yourselves are also involved. And specifically, you were interested in uncovering specific pressure points that could lead to negative psychological and practical outcomes. Do you want to specifically elaborate on that to the extent that you can? Yes, sure. So we we, we haven't done this project with you, Jay, but... Um, there's um, a lecturer and senior researcher from UJ that normally spearheads a lot of our research work or surveys. And when we sat together and we spoke about the impact low shedding had and the types of calls we've been getting and the type of inquiries people are asking us um, over email, over social media, we had this discussion and we thought, okay, how can we then reach out to the South African public, speak to them, see how we can get a lot of information so that we can then come up with something that's good. Um, 
what we've done was we put together a mini newsletter, sent out an email to everyone on our mailing list, inviting people um, to take part. We've, we've also advertised it on our social media platforms. We've tried to get as much people involved in giving us feedback. Um, over a period of two weeks, two to, I think it was two and a half weeks of collating data, we received over 2,000 responses. And from there, we had uh, 1,836 valid um, surveys completed for us to then put together our analysis and data. What is that feedback, at least for now, communicating without it necessarily being a collated research which now has specific outcomes? But have you been able to pick up any patterns from those responses from the ordinary members of society? Yeah, so it was very interesting because when we ask about anxiety levels, people said that their anxiety feelings were more during the time when low shedding was either delayed or when it wasn't restored early enough or on time. So that period of uncertainty that people go through, and obviously with no chilling, there's a lot of uncertainty that you feel all the time. So you have that anxiety feeling anyway. But the bigger, the bigger part of the anxiety was always either before or when lotion wasn't restored early enough. The other interesting thing is we picked up uh, at least four in ten of our participants experienced some feeling of depression. And that's a huge amount. So from that, they further elaborated and there was a respondent that spoke about how they came back home, cooked for themselves and felt absolutely alone and lonely because they felt so isolated from the world. There was no network, so they couldn't speak to anyone and they cried themselves off to sleep. So we also see that at least 10% of those 42% of people that experience depression also are having suicidal ideation. So there's huge implications on your actual mental health. With anxiety and panic, we picked up that at least 60% of people are experiencing anxiety or panic. Um, there's so much of information that we collated from the actual survey Um we even uh, there were people that said there were seventy three percent of them actually said that they were they lived with lots of fear because of crime. There was one of the respondents that actually described how they got during the sharing time. So we see there's a lot of things happening. People feeling at risk. People feeling that. They, 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 they need to they stressed out because they they need to complete tasks for the day, they need to get by things and then low sharing hits and then everything has to store for maybe an hour or two and then carry on. But on the other spectrum of things, we've also seen that people refuse to normalize this behavior. They do not want to normalize the fact that they have to adjust around the low shedding and the stages that we're going through, but they are resilient enough to say, I will take control of my own life and 
determine how I want to do things on a day-to-day basis, which is also important. South Africans are very resilient people in general, but to see the different responses that we've been getting from different people, it's fascinating to see how many of them don't even have generators, solar panels, inverters, because they choose not to have that because they do not want to normalize this type of life. Why should South Africans have to be resilient? Why should we have to resort to measures that ordinarily a society, not least ours, should have to engage itself in? I really am asking this question because I'm reading now, the entire sample seemed psychologically impacted in in one form or another. It's not surprising, therefore, that 4 in 10 people reported depression and 62% of people struggled with anxiety and panic. If that's not bad enough, this surely should be jolting. Worryingly, 1 in 10 people have contemplated suicide or had thoughts of suicide. And this is a quotation from one of the respondents. I just sat in the dark and cried myself to sleep. And I am someone who is dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts. So are we in a position to make a strong argument for consideration, whatever the consideration may yield, to the administration in terms of understanding the impact? For the most part, that impact has been material orientated. In other words, the impact on our economy, the impact on small businesses and schools, all of which is a valid response or comment on load shedding. But that which does not meet the eye, these statistics, have they been sufficiently canvassed? Is the administration and or ESCOM sufficiently aware of its impact such that it may inculcate a discipline or a culture of some urgency to reverse this pandemic, really? Unfortunately, um, we applicant we when we started this research, we, it was just when it was announced that we were going to get load shedding for the next three years. And, and we've been playing with the idea of this load shedding survey from last year, but eventually we decided to do it this year after the announcement. And if you look at the impact it has on people's psychological well-being, and you look at the number, the percentage of um, public health care that's given to mental health, which is, I think, just under 5%. I think the first thing we need to do is canvas for more money of, to be budgeted towards mental health care services because that is one of the other reasons why we did this research was to find ways to help people cope better in a very in a place where there's already such scarce resources. So the first thing we would like to do is canvas for more money budgeted towards mental health care services and make them more available to people. For ESCOM, I think we all know and we have this realization that we're going to be having no children for the next few years until they can put out whatever they need to. But in the meantime, what we can advise and we can encourage them to do is try to stick to a a schedule Mm. and not play around with it. Because what's happening is, from the survey, we can see that people are feeling highly anxious around times when things are not certain enough. So if we have something that's more certain, it will sort of ease the anxiety 
because people then know exactly this is what's going to happen for the day. Whereas right now we're at a point where today we're in stage three, tomorrow we'll be in stage seven. That 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 roller coaster it creates a roller coaster of emotions as well. So I think from our side we'd love for more scheduled behavior, more um, you know, just just for more um, certainty around what's going on so that makes it easier for our, especially for mental health care patients because they follow a routine and their scaffolding is following that routine because you have to eat at specific times, you have to sleep, and that goes with all different other illnesses. So if we're looking at it, we need to encourage for some sort of stability in some way or the other. Let's talk about children. Let's talk about persons with disabilities. Let's talk about the elderly. Some critically vulnerable groups in the context of the social landscape in the country. It it, it is beyond argument that our elderly tend to be vulnerable. As in a lot of societies, generally they would be, but ours is a pronounced case. Children become a pronounced concern, certainly. And the persons with disabilities, if you look at the services available to them and how long it takes for persons with disabilities to access them, generally speaking, on the best of times and days, how much more now are these interest groups, these societies, affected by a simple thing, which is not so simple, of not having electricity consistently enough? or at the time at which it's said to be coming on and off, and in the result, the greater social impact it creates on an already stressed community. It is a huge impact again. Um, what we've seen through the study again is that 31% of people reported problematic family relationships, and that's because when no shedding hits, Everyone goes to do their own thing, and there's no more that family bonding. With the elderly, some of them are in old age homes, some of them living by themselves. When we have low shedding, again, there's no networks. How do they communicate with their loved ones after hours or when they are free? Um, so there's a sense of isolation. Also, the fact that the elderly, probably, you know, some of the elderly are a bit more sick, so they need specific machines or something to keep them going, how do they then maintain the machine? Um, I can speak from experience when we had, um, during COVID, both my parents had COVID and they were on an oxygen machine that needed electricity. And we had a power outage for hours and then they couldn't have the necessary oxygen that they needed. So it became absolutely difficult. So if we can put ourselves in the, like other people's situations, it is a very difficult situation for the elderly, for the sick. It it, it just it snowballs. Mm. For young kids as well, 10% of people reported domestic routine disruption, and that's because usually if you're having a low-sharing period between 6 and 8, how does a parent come home, cook dinner, and have dinner with the kids? There's that whole disruption to your daily routine that creates so much of difficulty just 
being around your family, it becomes really difficult for people. Final comment then. Where to from here? Is there a position paper that is in the offering from this and the potential or the partnership really that you've established with the University of Johannesburg? Against everything that you have said, how can we as a society respond from a resource allocation, and I'm thinking particularly the Department of Social Development and the Department of Health here, because all of the things that you have mentioned certainly fall within their province in terms of social stability and the impact on healthcare services and consumption, to an extent, and probably to a greater extent than I imagined, the Department of Education certainly, when you engage the interest of young people, not just children, but young people at large, is there a position that SADC would like to advocate or would like considered in the mainstream, in the um, p- public policy space, just to perhaps better engage these facts, these statistics, and the impact which left unattended would be far worse than what you and I are talking about right now? Mm-hmm. I think we need to come together and put together a strategy. There's amazing um, a Department of Health put together this amazing mental health care policy, yet it's not being matched up, up to date. So what we'd like ideally is to create more services for mental health care, um, whether it's basic counselors on the ground doing basic face-to-face counseling. Um, we've SEDEX done a whole initiative where we did a pilot project. We took a shipping container, converted it into an office. We've been running for 10 years in Dipslet, where we do face-to-face counseling. We've opened up support groups. We do awareness campaigns, and it works so well. So if we can look at these different interventions being available for more mental health care users or just the general public, that would be ideal for us. But in the meantime, at SEDEC right now, we're taking all this information and we're going to start looking at helping the individual person because we have to start there. And once we start helping people that reach out to us and make available all the the helpful hints and tips to cope with different things that you are going through at the moment, that's our main focus for now. On a policy level, We'd love to engage with the government and see how we can better our mental health care services as well as how we can ease some of the processes, which is important. Mm. But, yeah, but I think for now, we've more focused on the level of each individual that needs the help because I think that's where we need to start. Okay. All well. the information could be available on our website So and and. Our counselors are there to also assist at any given time. So people, if they need help, please do reach out. Certainly. Do appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time for representing SADC as the development manager, Ms. Fatima Sidat. The time is 20.37. After the break, we are taking calls.